This is Ken Primus, your host of Mystery Bible. Come with me as we walk through the Bible and learn of God and His beautiful mercies and all that He has provided for us, that we may become effective for His kingdom and change this world. Welcome to the Mystery Bible. My name is Ken Primus. I'm your host. We are looking at the life of Moses. Actually, we are now going to take a look at Moses' family. We're going to be introduced to his family. We saw that um, last podcast, we got a look at the counselors to see who did what and how um, Pharaoh was able to make this extreme decision to go ahead and to drown the children of uh, Israel, all the male. And we read and saw that um, uh, it was the seer that uh, was the one that came up with the um, the way by which to punish the children, which was water, because they believed that um, that if they do that, that God, they're going to um, not be punished. But they did not understand God's principle, and they actually uh, said it, measure for measure. And God judges us according to how we judge others and so forth. That's a principle that is seen all through the Bible. Uh, Jesus Christ told his disciples, be very careful how you judge. Um, and he actually instructed those that are praying, asking anything um, for God to do. He says, if you have any ought against your brother, just forget about that. Run, run to your brother, ask for forgiveness, and then come on back, and God will answer your prayer. So we are looking, and we are going to take our cue today from this podcast, from the um, the book of uh, the Legend of Jews. We're looking into the parenthood of the family of Moses, and we're looking uh, at his father, his mom, and his brother and sister, and then he will come on the scene. So we know that at this point in time, the boys are being tortured, um, and uh, uh, all of these kids now are going to be born into some fun time, as we know. So we are looking at uh, Josephus. And I'm going to read a couple of lines of that, then I'm going to jump over to the um, legend of the Jews, and then we're going to go into the book of Yasher and, and kind of get an answer, uh, you know, as to what's going on around at this time. A man whose name was Amram, one of the noble sorts of the Hebrews, was afraid for his whole nation, lest it should fail by the want of young men to be brought up hither and was very uneasy at it, his wife being then with child, and he knew not what to do. Hereupon he besook himself to pray to God and entreat him to have compassion on those men who have no wise transgressed the law of his worship, and to afford them deliverance from the miseries that at that time endured, and to render abortive their enemies' hope of the destruction of their nation. Accordingly, God had mercy on him and was moved by his supplication. He stood by 
him in his sleep and exhorted him not to despair in his future favor. He said furthermore that he did not forget their piety towards him and would always reward them for it as he had, had formerly granted his favor to uh, the forefathers. So we see that this man was interceding on behalf of the children of Israel and uh, he is uh, named, his name was Amram, and he was the interceder. So we see that he is praying to God concerning this situation that the children of Israel is find themselves. But we know that there was a couple of things that God had promised, and he had promised Abraham that he would also come and bring the deliverer. So we see that prayer works for some good stuff. And um, we know that God, through prayer, and he answers prayer, and we know that this man, uh, Moses' father, was praying. So let's take another look at Moses' family from the legend of the Jews. We just read Josephus, and then we will go into Jashin and take a look. So when Pharaoh proclaimed, uh, proclamation was issued, decrying that the men, children of Hebrew, were to be cast into the river, Amron, who was the president of Sanhedrin, decided that in the circumstances it was best for um, husbands to live together separately from their wives. He set the example. He divorced his wife, and all the men of Israel did likewise, for he occupied a place of great consideration amongst his people. One reason being that he belonged to the tribe of Levi, the tribe that was faithful to its God even in the land of Egypt. So we see this group of people, we see these guys, their faithfulness to God is documented in the legend of the Jews. Now let's pick up, see again, we knew nothing of this from the Bible. And again, I, I, I keep telling you guys, the legend of the Jews is just a confirmation of um, uh, information that has been passed through that people. And so it, it's good to read it and to get some insight coming from there, not just from, quote-unquote, the King James Version. Um, so this guy, he decided to um, divorce his wife and so forth, and uh, uh, all the men followed him and uh, began to do the same. And so we're going to see why and... Um, and how this pan out in, the, in, in God's eyes. And so we see that he was a part of the tribe of uh, Levi, the tribe that was faithful uh, to its God, even in the land of Egypt, though the other tribes wavered in their alliance and attempted to align themselves with the Egyptian, going so far as to give up Abraham's sign of the covenant. Remember what Abraham's sign of the covenant was? Circumcision. So because these guys turned against God, God, according to the um, this particular reading, it tells us that God turned the Egyptian against them according to the legend of the Jews. And so we'll take a look at that and see. As we see the sign, they turned away from the covenant. They stopped um, circumcising their kids. And so, as a result, it says to chastise the Hebrew 
for their impurity, God turned the love of the Egyptians for them into hatred, so that they resolve upon their destruction. Mindful of all that he and his people owed to Joseph, wise rule, Pharaoh refused at first to entertain the malicious plans proposed by the Egyptian against the Hebrews. He spoke to his people, You fools, we are indebted to these Hebrews for whatever we enjoy, and you desire now to rise up against them. But the Egyptians could not be turned aside from their purpose of ruining Israel. They disposed their king and incarcerated him for three months until he declared himself ready to execute what determination, what they had resolved upon. And he sought to bring about the ruin of the children of Israel by every conceivable means, such as the retribution they had drawn down upon themselves by their own acts. So we're looking at some more additional information based on the children of Israel, their legends, if you will, that uh, this Pharaoh did not want to do what they wanted to do, his people wanted to do. And so they had some kind of a uprising, if you will, deposed him, threw him in jail until he got his stuff done. So that's an interesting uh, information. That's some interesting information uh, to see from the legend of the Jews' point of view that the people were able to rise up to that level and uh, depose the king, the pharaoh of that land, to be able to have them do whatever they wanted to do. And so I would say in that sense that these people were determined, as it says, that their hearts were changed and turned from love to hatred. And when that happens, we've looked in and we saw that what happens when one begins to be obedient to that spirit of uh, hatred, that they basically become blinded from all kinds of stuff and then they are then uh, uh, brought into the space whereby they can't come out and do what they need to do. So we see then that according to the legend of the Jews, some additional information, throw them in jail, bring them out, and um, they conceive a plan to go and do all they need to do to destroy the tribe of Israel. And then it goes on from there. As Armon uh, not only did, he belonged to the tribe of Levi, distinguished for his piety, but by reason of his extraordinary piety, he was a prominent even amongst the pious of the tribe. He was one of four who were immaculate on uh, trained or untamed by sin. He was not one of those guys or untainted by sin is the word, but uh, he was, um, he ruled over them and says, whom uh, uh, death would not have no power. Uh, had mortality not been decreed against every single human being on account of the fall of the first man and woman, the other three that led the same sinless life were Benjamin, Jesse, the father of David, 
and Chileb, the son of David. So we see some additional folks, um, some information written about these guys um, uh, being, you know, the king of, uh, these are the other men that they said live that way, how this guy lived. And uh, we see then that um, as a result of all of his, uh, who he is, this is where uh, Moses came out of. And it says that um, uh, we know that uh, as he, Aaron Piety, originally the realist, uh, the real residence, the son, the sin of the generation of Enoch removed her still further off from man. She took up her abode in the third heaven, then successfully in the fourth and amongst the male factors in that generation of the deluge. In the fifth, during the building of the Tower of Babel and the confusion of tongues. In the sixth, by reason of the wicked Egyptian and at that time of Abraham. And finally, in the seventh, in the consequences of the abomination of the inhabitants of Sodom, six righteous men, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Levi, Kehoth, and Amram, drew the, um, it is called, it's the Shanika, uh, back one by one, it's the anointing. And so um, this man was so powerful that uh, he, as he said, uh, he's in a list of several men that, uh, if possible, they would, um, according to the legend of the Jews, but we know that there was one other man. The Bible tells us that Enoch was a man that... Um, walk so closely with God that he just one day didn't come back. And so we see uh, that um, uh, as we continue to look at, let's take a look at the family of um, Moses so we can begin to look and see the birth of Moses as we continue. So when Amram separated from his wife on account of the edict published against the male children of Hebrew, and his example was followed by all Israel. His daughter Miriam said to him, Father, thy decree is worse than Pharaoh's decree. The Egyptians aim to destroy only the male children, but thou includest the girls as well. Pharaoh dis uh, despised his victim of life in this world, but you prevent his children from being born, and thus thou deprivest them of a future life too. He resolved destruction, but who knows whether the intention of the wicked can persist. Thou art a righteous man, and the enactment of the righteous are executed by God. Hence, your decree will be upheld. Ammon recognized the justice of her plea, and he repaired um, to the Sanhedrin and put the matter before this body, the members of the court spoke and said, It was thou that didst separate husbands and wives, and from they shall go forth the permission for remarriage. And Aaron then made the proposition that each of the members of the Sanhedrin returned to his wife and wed her um, again, but his colleagues uh, um, said uh, against they came against the plan. And who will make it known unto the whole of Israel? And according, Aaron stood publicly under the wedding canopy with his divorced wife, uh, and he began to make all of the um, the preparations, if you will. So Aaron and Miriam was there 
these are the two kids that were born before and it tells us that they were dancing and stuff like that this wedding he said let the mother of the children be joyful he is remarried was solemnized with great ceremony to the end that the men that had followed his example in divorcing their wives might initiate him intimidate uh, not intimidate um intimidate him uh, how he is taking them for themselves imitate him i apologize i'm uh, all the way out here i need my glasses and so it happened so it, all of these men now are hanging out with their their wives and uh, we see that old uh, as uh, his wife was she regained her youth her skin became soft and wrinkled in her face disappeared the warm uh, tint of maiden's beauty returned and in a short time she became pregnant so uh, she was divorced and um, Miriam and uh, Aaron was born. She gets remarried. Uh, out of this big feast and this remarriage, she gets pregnant. And there we go. As far as according to the legends of the Jews, we are now entering in to the birth of uh, Moses, how he came about in the land. And so now let's take a look and start reading. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms about that because I, this is where I wanted to get to in the beginning was to get to the place where we show how he is coming in and all of these things because remember this is a guy that was uh, prophesied or the seer saw him coming we know that God told Abraham he would have a deliverer we know that each and every one of us is born with a purpose a, a plan and so now let's take a look and see what the birth of uh, Moses looks like because the Bible doesn't go into that. So let's see uh, the surrounding stuff. So she became pregnant and Amram was very uneasy about his wife being with child. He knew not what to do. He turned to God in prayer and entreated him to have compassion upon those who had in no wise transgressed the law of his worship and afford them deliverance from the misery they endured while he rendered abortive the hope of their enemies, who yearned for the destruction of their nation. God had mercy on him, and he stood by him in his sleep and exhorted him not to despair. Of his future favor, he said further, that he did not forget the piety, and he would always reward them for it, and he granted his favor in other days unto their forefathers. Know therefore, the Lord continued to speak, that I shall provide for you altogether what is for your good, and for these in particular, that which shall make these uh, celebrate for the child out of dread, of whose nativity the Egyptian had doomed, 
the Israelites' children, the destruction shall be this child of thine. And he and, be sh and he shall remain concealed from those who watch to destroy him. And when he has been bred up in a miraculous way, he shall deliver the Hebrews, the Hebrew nation, from the distress they are under by reason of the Egyptians. His memory shall be celebrated while the world lasts, and not only among the Hebrews, but among strangers also. And all this shall be the effect of my favor towards you and posterity. Also his brothers shall be cut, shall be such that he shall obtain my priesthood for himself and for his uh, posterity after him unto the end of the world. So we know that there are two ministries being spoken of here by God. We know that the deliverer and we know the priesthood of um, Aaron's priesthood. And the Bible has a lot to talk about Aaron's priesthood. And we see that um, both of these brothers, uh, uh, God is calling them for their assignment. Uh, we have the older brother, Aaron, the younger brother, uh, Moses. God says he's going to be the one that the deliverer. We've talked about a couple of things here that uh, you and I have mentioned over and over about the grace of God and that the grace of God is that ability where only God can use that because the Bible says he's the God of all grace. And so if he's the God of all grace, he knows then how to utilize grace to get the effect that he desires. And we've talked about what grace or favor means. It means the divine influence upon the heart of the individual and the benefit that it brings to the believer or to bring to uh, God's for, um, plan being fulfilled. And so God is going to use his grace to accomplish his work in every single person, in Pharaoh's life and in Moses' life, in Aaron's life, as well as Miriam, in your life, in my life, all of it. it it's his grace that he uses to accomplish his desired outcome. And so I don't care where you're at in your life and what's going on. You see the world being destroyed and, and uh, we see global warming. We see all of these things and the world is shaken. But there's one thing that is not shaken, the word of God. And the Bible tells us that God uh, esteemed his word over his name. He magnified his word over his name. So his word is above his name. And we know that the name of Jesus Christ, you know the name of God, the power that is in the name, and the word is even more so. And then uh, we know that in Luke one thirty-seven, it states that not one word of God ever fails. So we see a couple of, um, as God begins to explain to this young, this man about his um, son, his sons, what they're going to do. Uh, he talks about a couple of things I wanted to uh, address. And uh, the one is we see, we see that he says that he granted his favor in the other days of the forefathers, knowing therefore that the Lord continue to speak, that I shall provide for you altogether what is good. So God is our provider. 
um, he tells this, he introduced himself to Moses, I am, meaning I will become what is needed. And so he is the provider. He is the one that um, is our God. And he tells us that um, uh, he will take care of us in every single way that we are needed, that he needs to take care of us. And so that is why he says to you guys, fret not. Um, don't worry about all of these guys. Even though they want to destroy you, I, I am your protector. I am your fighter. I'm, I'm the one that will take care of you. So uh, as we continue to read this story, we see some really good stuff. It says that as he, uh, the favor of God is very important. I always take time to stop and introduce you guys again and again and again and again um, about the favor of God because it is that ingredients that we need. Um, let me, um, here's a scripture for you. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God. Now, when we, when someone quotes that scripture, all people think about is salvation. But I want to mention to you that that process is by which way God saves us all from everything else. The process is this, for by grace are you saved through faith. So there's two um, things that are necessary for us to be saved. One is God's grace or God's favor, the divine influence upon a heart from whatever situation you're in. So God will divinely influence the hearts of the people that are dealing with you in your situation. And from uh, said, for by grace are you saved through faith. That process through faith now is my responsibility. The grace is God's responsibility. And the through faith is my responsibility. I have to exercise faith and believe that God's grace is able to deliver me out of my situation. Because he tells us so in the scripture. He says, I send my, um, my, in Psalms, he talks about his grace and his word. Uh, and our faith working together. Uh, Paul said, it, the word of God will only benefit you if you mix, mix it with your faith. And so we see then that this family, uh, God is going to begin to use them to deliver the children of Israel as promised. But we see that it was through a relationship. God works with family and, um, he will work with yours as well. And I don't care how destructive it looks like, he is able to um, manufacture, if you will, situations that will cause the grace of God to come in and make sure that he fix the hearts of those men and women and change your life. You guys need to um, bring faith in grace into your life. When God gave me that revelation, I began to understand some things about grace and the purpose of it. And as I began to appropriate it into my life, I began to see changes drastically. And so I want to encourage you guys to do that. So let's uh, take some time again and um, read this passage because I want to extract some additional stuff for you. It says that he, his, uh, his wife, they got uh, pregnant. They party to have a good time, and he begins to get concerned because he's looking and seeing all the problems that are going on, meaning the problems that these sons 
were getting uh, tossed in the water. He turned to God in prayer and entreated him to have compassion upon those who had no wise transgressed the law of his worship and afford them deliverance from the misery they in, endured. While he rendered a, a, abortive the plan of their enemies, who yearned for the destruction of their nation, God had mercy on him and stood by him in his sleep. And we see that um, there are a couple of things that moves the Father. Uh, the first that I believe that moves God is his uh, love and his mercy because of how, you know, screwed up we are. And because we are his children, God always have mercy on us and utilize his grace. Um, and that's how he works. He, he loves us. He's driven by love. He has mercy on his kids, being a bunch of mess that we are, and he utilizes his grace to get us out of our situation, to get us our victory. It says, God had mercy on him and stood by him and in his sleep and exhorted him not to despair. Don't worry. And you see this all the time. God always says to his people, fear not. Don't worry about these people. I got your back. He said further that he did not forget uh, their piety. And he would always reward them for it. So he's talking about your walk, walk of faith, that God will always reward you for your walk of faith. For the Bible tells us that the man who walks by faith, whatever he asks for, will be given to him. It will be granted. And so it says that he granted his favor in, in other days uh, unto the forefathers. And he, he's just bringing them uh, and letting them know that he did this. He used the grace also of God to deliver his, um, his people back in the day. And God continues to speak. He says, then I shall provide for you altogether what is good for you. I wanted to talk about that for now. Jeremiah talks about how God has made plans for us all. And I am learning a few things about God is that the entire um, existence of everything is according to the will of the Father. Um, Jesus said, pray that the Father's will will be done on earth as it uh, is in the heavens. And uh, we see then that the Bible tells us that God did everything according to the counsel of his will. And everything then, it was his will that Jesus come and died on the cross. It was his will to do that. And we know that Jesus Christ had to learn how to surrender his will to follow the will of the Father. Because he said, until then he told us that whatever I saw the Father did, I did. I copied, he and I were one. We just, you know, whatever he did, I did. And I modeled myself after him. I came here, I can do nothing of myself, he said. So we then understand that Jesus Christ was doing exactly what he heard the Father said. That's what he did. When he came out of the wilderness, the Father said to him, go into the Bible, go into the, Torah, uh, the temple, grab the Torah, and read your assignment that I have for you out of Isaiah 61. So Jesus got up, he walks to the, to the temple, um, I mean, the, uh, he, he went and he got uh, out of the synagogue. He went and he grabbed Isaiah 61 from the Torah. He begins to read what he heard God said to him about his assignment because he knew what his assignment was to come and do that 
and also to die. These were his assignments. Uh, we see then here that this man, his assignment was to do what he did to become the father of this man. We know his lifestyle. Um, as a result of that lifestyle, God had a relationship with him. He walked by faith and so forth. So God tells him that I shall provide for you all together what is good for you. Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah tells us that God's plans, he has made tons of plans for us, and all these plans is for our welfare and for good so that we can, you know. So here we are, and I, uh, I want to stress to you guys, your life here on this earth, ha God has a plan for you. You didn't come here just to to waste time and and you know as they say the programming is to come here get get uh, go to church go to your school get your degree um, those who went and get their degrees those who didn't went out and work and then go find yourself a wife get yourself two point one kids get yourself a house with a white fence and then die I mean you know if you're lucky you go on vacation you got two weeks you better make sure you get back in two weeks. If you're going to retire, we're going to need you to work until you're 70 years old to get some money so you can go. And when you, we're going to force you to, 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 if you're going to take it early or whatever, you need insurance, you got to work until you're 70. I mean, these are the systems that they set up. Is that all? Is that what you came for on this planet? Is that it? Or, or did you have some other assignment? And so I want to challenge you that you came here with an assignment. It's up to you to go before God and find out what is your assignment. That I shall provide for you all uh, together what is good for you. And for you in particular, to which shall make you celebrated. God has a plan for you. He had, the Holy Spirit has his assignment. The Bible tells us what his assignment is. It's to come here. He's to comfort us. He's to guide us in all truth. All God is not a God that wastes time. In fact, God is a God that is very serious about time because the Bible tells us in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time. So he's governed everything by his time. I want to shake you guys and wake you up to this complacency that you have about your life. You are not to be complacent about your life. You are here for an assignment. Find out what it is from God and get busy, man. But the Bible tells us that the days are evil, that we ought to be mindful of our time so that we can understand what is the will of the Father for each and every one of us. I want to challenge you for that. Um, those that are listening to this podcast, you need to challenge yourself. Begin to find your purpose and become purposeful so you and I can learn what we have to do while we're here on this planet and change this world. Thank you for listening to Mystery Bible. Let's walk through the Bible and learn of God and His beautiful mercies and all that He has provided for us that we may become effective for His kingdom and change this world. Check in every week for a new episode. Search for Mystery Bible on Anchor FM Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Breaker, Outcasts, Radio Public, and many more.